You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Indeed. Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, fellas. Welcome. Greg Hectus. Did I miss any news this week? Merry Christmas. Steve Thompson. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. Come on in and uh, take a seat next to Mike Ellis here in the lounge. Enjoy yourself. Well, on this week's show, the NTT IndyCar Racing Series drops a bomb that has all of iRacing up in arms. We'll recap all of the details and reaction to the news. The special events calendar was released, and we'll check out all the events for this year. Also remember that you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of the great topics and products that we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting the show notes. We hope to see you there. Are you tired of your pedals feeling like a video game? Want to step up to feeling like you're actually driving? We designed our P1 Pro pedals to feel exactly like a real car, giving you a better feel, better feeling when you're driving. Push braking zones to the limit and avoid locking up by having a finer feel of the limit. Trail brake into the corner smoother, allowing you to carry more speed. Our P1 Pro pedals will be the last set of pedals you'll ever purchase for your sim. A lifetime warranty is included. That means if you ever run into issues into years to come, we'll service them and keep them perfect. This week and social media has been going crazy and i definitely think a lump of coal award is going to go to uh to indy this year yeah uh we'll start with the update from greg rist so we got a bombshell announcement i'm going to read it from greg west in the forums he said regarding the indycar license update he said the current license update agreement uh with indycar is set to expire december 31st IndyCar has signed an exclusive license with another developer that goes into effect on January 1st. While we're still working on finalizing a new license with IndyCar, it is clear there will be some notable changes to the way we're able to present IndyCar racing on iRacing. Most significantly, we will no longer be able to run an official IndyCar branded series and there will not be an iRacing Indy 500. You will also see the removal of the IndyCar series logo from our sites. We plan to continue to support the Delara race cars, the IR18, DW12, and Delara IR05. There'll be no changes in regards to non-IndyCar series at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for other series like NASCAR, IMSA, etc. Until the new license agreement is finalized, we won't know all the details, so there might be further changes. Boo. Boo. So... I was off work and was able to watch the reaction of uh, the the community, the sim community as a whole. And, and I guess that's the next thing to go into, David. What is the reaction? 
Well, we got tweets galore, right? One comes from the King of Chins named Josh. Uh, extremely disappointed in the news this morning. I racing and even more disappointed in the stance of IndyCar has taken. IndyCar has been a large part of iRacing for 13 years, and to just pull the rug out from everyone is a slap in the face. Yeah, it still seems, even right now, seems very strange that this happened um, without really any notice, but I don't know. I kind of, I'm optimistic things might change sooner than later, but who knows? Um, it's kind of crazy that this could even happen. Well, the Twitter shitstorm has got to be getting their attention, considering how much IndyCar is already struggling to, to, uh, to have any foothold with, with ratings. Um, there is, I, I think the PR is going to cost, cost them more than they're gaining with this exclusive right from a video game maker. I understand they had other PR problems recently with Iowa ticket price doubling or something like that. Um, and, and so they've had some issues, and, and so the overall indie community is not happy with them, even if they're not sim racers. Now, this was actually trending on Twitter at one point that day. I saw it 13th, and uh, on the tri- Twitter, tw- uh, I'll try to say that real fast, Twitter trending in the U.S., uh, it says IndyCar trending with iRacing, 13th in sports. Another tweet a lot came of from... Uh... Another tweet came from Stephen Bailey, kind of on the same line. Real shame, iRacing to lose IndyCar and the ability to host the Indy 500 because of the exclusive license with motorsport games. Um, exclusivity like this and the lawn license only serve to hurt the fans. And and car companies cottoned onto this. Others need to. As- so something I just was thinking about. So this was probably the major holdup for releasing the 2023 special event calendar. But part of me is thinking there's no way that they knew about this happening this week. This had to have been something coming down the pipe. Um, why? I'm curious why I wait so long to, to announce it and to have to reshuffle their season one schedule for the IndyCar side. Hey, hey, Donnie, going off of what you're just saying there, I was just thinking of something, too. It's convenient that they left it uh, right to the last minute where after they're right almost out of their their window of that sale for membership fees and stuff as well where they've left it right down to where everyone renews right now type thing was you know late in the year it's i think it's a pretty safe guess that they were trying to work the deal and they had to have been yeah and when you're in contract negotiations you you usually keep it quiet now is does this make i was thinking this the other day when we were talking about it too i didn't bring it up in the discussion but does this make you guys question when you buy a car for a series now like like are you gonna think about do you want to know more about the contractual um basis that they're in so say like you're new to the sim coming up on another season or at the end of the year say for the imsa series or something like that down the road and you want to buy one of the cars do you you know think think it through now more knowing seeing this you know, this is unusual because we, we run the F1 series. We don't call it an F1 series. They call it formula, whatever. And um, they run the F1 car on F1 tracks under an iRacing series. But we can't even do that with the IndyCar. We can't even roll on with the, we'll call it the U.S. Open Wheel B series um, with the IndyCar on IndyCar. We can't even do that. So it's, it's that I, to, to your point, maybe, absolutely. I think I think one of the biggest things is that you can't, 
be able to stream or broadcast with the Indy car, at least at the F1 car, you can. Um, I think that's huge for, you know, so many people now are streaming, streaming the races and broadcasting. A lot of people are making money off streaming, too. So this might hit people in the pocketbook that are actually, you know, iRacers on iRacing. Yeah, the broadcast policy is updated. You can't uh, broadcast any of those three cars that I mentioned before uh, as of January 1st. And so iRacing has notified all the different broadcasters and trying to get the word out that it's going to be against the rules and you can't do it. And so this is going to affect leagues. And so, like, you think about all the IndyCar-style leagues out there, like, for example, uh, Lionheart, uh, which has been around forever, uh, one of the premier IndyCar series leagues, they're not going to have the ability to broadcast anymore. And then that affects, you know, car count. And then that affects, you know, it, it, nobody's going to want to run this car. And then the whole league just dies. And, and so that's a big, big concern for all those leagues. Can well, this bring, go ahead, Donnie. Can this bring the jet car back into the equation? Yeah, let's run the 500 with that. <laughs> Well, they'll have to call it something else. But um, even here, Mike, when you look at the next post after here on Twitter, the future of iRacing on IndyCar on broadcasting here from Moonhead's uh, Twitter here. Um, it's quite funny. So basically, he, he did a, a broadcast of an IndyCar race, uh, but everything is like, a, you know, grayed out where you can't actually see the car. It's all pixelated. Uh, and so it's kind of funny. I used to try and watch these channels when I was a kid. They were always scrambled. Mommy and daddy wouldn't let me. He had some other tweets where, oh, the police coming to get him, you know, because he decided to do a, you know, broadcast an IndyCar race after the first. Well, even Dale Earnhardt chimed in, expressing his disappointment with, with the choice. His quote is, I don't understand this decision by IndyCar to not continue a decade-long partnership with iRacing. This is such a gut punch for the community. After, after all both brands accomplished together, including during the past few challenging years. And several people have pointed out, hey, during COVID, all these major series came to iRacing and said, please put us, you know, broadcast us, you know, onto uh, TV. So we have something, anything. And they did that successfully with IndyCar and iRacing. And, you know, for that to, to not mean anything, you know, now, it's, it's tough. Does it, does it show you what the real world's like, that there is no loyalty to anything? Money talks and that's all that matters? Did the NASCAR ignition game that this company put out, did it suffer because NASCAR's on iRacing too? It's completely two different hobbies, in my opinion. I understand the software was so bad that it didn't matter anyway. I mean, the game was, was subpar. Well, what in the world are they thinking? Isn't motorsports basically gaming going under? They're going to, they're going to sign up with with a failing company. The entire board of directors left. Hey, this is a public company. It's traded on a stock exchange. They used to be at fifty dollars a share. Now they're at two dollars a share. What was their last game? Was it the the NASCAR one? Yeah, and it bombed big time. And. Uh, and they've signed all these agreements and haven't put out a game yet. Now, the other thing I've been reading is uh, it was Traxion.gg. Now, remember, Traxion is the media arm of motorsports. 
So they own it. And, and they were really good about disclosing, hey, uh, by the way, we're owned by the people we're talking about. And, and so they did some good disclosure, but they pointed out that, hey, we're not putting the game out until 2024. It's not even 2023. So that means there's going to be no IndyCar racing virtually at all until at least 2024. Isn't that bad business if you're an IndyCar rep saying, okay, the game is coming out then, so maybe maybe we need to have something up until that point. Don't sign this agreement because like so many companies go under and they can just done the game doesn't even come out at all or it's a you know abysmal. The game's just crap. Uh, it was 2023, and then apparently it's 2024. Now IndyCar doesn't even know that themselves because racer.com went and got an actual quote from indycar and i'm going to read it quote we also remain confident in uh well, wait that's not the beginning of it. okay here it is iRacing will continue to provide a valuable platform for the gaming community to experience indycar while there will be changes to our presence in the near future our current car will still be featured on iRacing across current tracks including imf this was important to us as we worked through our strategy to ensure fans would continue to ac have access to our racing across their favorite mediums. We are also remain confident in our partnership with Motorsports Games that will produce an engaging, realistic, and enjoyable title feature for the IndyCar series. Ultimately, 2023 will produce the first IndyCar-centric video game in nearly a decade while maintaining a presence for the sport in iRacing and beyond. Well, yeah, that's that's just crap. Is, with the limit that they're putting on it, that's the the presence is meaningless. That's that, exactly right. Pretty much, you can test the Indy car. You can run it in a hosted. But what do people run? I mean, we can't even replicate the iRacing Indy 500 if it's not inofficial. Because guess what? They're getting rid of the website, so then tournaments are no longer supported. So before we could have the majors do a big tournament or something and everybody could participate. Now we can't even do that. Actually, the majors, they don't do it with tournaments. They, they set each split individually with pre-qualifying. Yeah, so maybe there's workarounds if you want to take it to the hosted. And that's how we're going to have to do the Indy 500, apparently. Some people are saying, let's do a U.S. 500 at Michigan. That would be incredible. If not Michigan, Auto Club. With the, with the jet car. They could really show uh, IndyCar up if they uh, have a huge event like that with the jet car and it's a success. You know what? I probably won't be watching this summer. It's based on this decision. IndyCar. Well, I thought of uh, one of our old uh, co-hosts, um, Will Gibson. He's uh, running IndyCar this year, and he's in that Lionheart series. And uh, I saw him on Twitter asking... I think he was asking Steve Myers, what is the best, most respectful way to voice our opinion to IndyCar about this monstrosity kind of thing? Um, and I don't think he got an answer, but a lot of people, uh, you know, you know what Twitter's like this year in 2022. I mean, everyone was roasting IndyCar. When, when I say it was tr trending on Twitter, every single tweet in my feed was about it. Uh, it was amazing. And all of them were just roasting IndyCar for it. There was nobody with a positive interaction at all. It was all just like, oh, my God, how did this happen? There was a couple here and there that were trying to defend it, but it was pretty ridiculous. But you're right. It was like 99% uh, heat towards IndyCar. 
Actually, I don't know if you guys noticed, uh, Nick Nibon, uh, Connor Daly posted something last night that he's going to host a Twitch event with Tony Kanaan, and they're going to talk more about it and whatnot. And Nick Nibon responded in there, uh, fellow iRacer Nick Nibon, uh, or Nibon, however we say it. And um, I guess today he found out he was blocked by Connor Daly. Um, and he didn't even really say anything crazy. Just he took it the wrong way and uh, tried to go, tried to go at him. And and so it is what it is. But and that Connor Daly fella, he's trying to wonder why IndyCar is struggling the way they are. And then possibly. Do you want to know? Go ahead. Sorry, you want to know why Connor Daly's? Because obviously he runs in it. He's going to defend it because he's getting a, he's getting a portion of the proceeds from it. He probably knows in the back of his mind, oh, yeah, I get uh, X amount of dollars from motorsports games, you know, from this deal. On a game that won't come out. (laughs) But but he's also... But he's already been paid. Well, the other thing is, too, this this has, like, this reminds me of when Porsche um, signed the deal with EA Sports and then had a 10-year license agreement with with, uh, EA, and you couldn't have any Porsche cars and any other games that were ea uh titles and then it took forever for them to um get to that point and porsche realized after all that time it wasn't beneficial to them yeah and and where did porsche end up after they got broke out of the ea contract they're they're all over the place they're on everything right but they're very much on iRacing. i just don't understand here's my opinion if you're the indycar executive making this decision I just don't understand how you look at iRacing and you say, okay, this is where NASCAR goes and gets, this is their primary place. This is where IMSA goes. You know, we got F1 stuff here. You got all these other genres here. Why wouldn't we want to be there? I mean, why would I want to sign with this, this other company that put out a NASCAR game that bombed that could barely even work? Well, don't I sign mean, exclusively, right, Mike? That's the thing. Don't well, do an exclusive. I yeah, I think motorsports. Uh, obviously, they have some clever lawyers have written up some very clever uh, uh, language in these contracts. In fact, there was one thing I read uh, on the Twitter where they actually showed the contract because it's a motorsports because that motorsports is a public company. You can actually pull the actual deal. Uh, that IndyCar wrote uh, with them and read it. And it's all this lawyer speak and stuff, but uh, it's very locked down. It very locks you locks you in. Before we leave this topic, um, do you guys have an opinion or maybe a guess as to what is going to happen, what, what the outcome is going to be in the near future? Not near future, but like say six months down the road. So this last video addresses that actually donnie uh the sim racing unlimited put up a youtube video today and i watched it and they were talking about the story and one of the guys on the video speculated that what you were talking about before donnie is the timing of it uh why are they waiting last minute to let us know like they were still trying to get a deal done or something is going on behind the scenes and he speculated that Maybe uh, motorsports games is really, you know, bad off financially and they're trying to get out of the deal by selling the license to someone else. And he speculated Risa Studios out of Brazil, uh, who does the Automobilistia, I think it's called, and some other games. Uh, And so he said perhaps they're going to trying to pick up the pieces of this. Um, And so I think there's more to come. Like who... 
is it really motorsports going to be putting out the game? That's what most people say. But this guy is saying, hey, maybe there's something else going on behind the scenes. You know, yeah. now if iRacing was was in the mix and they were looking good with it, I don't think they would have came out with a statement and pissed everybody off. Yeah, that makes sense. And about the automobilista, that's that would be pretty bad too because and that that's something that would happen. I think they just uh, now it was our factor two that announced the British touring car uh, lineup. But yeah, I'm curious. Um, I don't think we'll see a motorsports game IndyCar title next year, the year after that. Um, maybe branded under something else, under a different company. Um, I know this is a a there's a parent company to Monster or Motorsports Games, but I don't know. It's just very weird. I'm curious how the actual IndyCar season goes. I'm I'm I hate seeing the the special events calendar without like a a shot at it. Why don't we have a US 500 somewhere? on the special events calendar, they say it's completed. I'm also bummed there's no all-star event on there. I mean, that, that seems like a no-brainer for me, but. What? Yeah, the big hole for Le Mans and a big hole for the Indy 500 on the on the special events calendar, for sure. Well, what I find is funny too, and going back to it, obviously if they make this game, a console gaming is very hard be, to, to get right right now because you have, it's not like, when you have a PC, it's just general a PC. You're going to have running, you know, most people are going to run their PC on is my, you know, Microsoft. Um, but when you got Sony and and Microsoft both fighting for their consoles to be better and purchase more, they've also done it with the peripherals. So when you go to Logitech and you want to buy a steering wheel setup. You can't use, say you had an Xbox or, or a PlayStation one, you have to buy the one specific for that unit nowadays. They don't work the same together. And it's kind of really made, like sim racing is really hard on consoles. Um, if you want to go back and forth, if you have different consoles or if you have trying to find the right equipment for the consoles. I think the exclusive on the console game, Greg, is should be just that, exclusive on the console. It shouldn't affect what's happening on the PC. I mean, I don't know. Uh, they're two different things. Uh, a couple other spins on this. We talked about on our in our group chat uh, a little bit about what if, you know, iRacing just buys out, you know, motorsports. Because obviously iRacing can make video games. We, we know we have the World of Outlaws dirt game. It's very successful and working well. It, you know, iRacing could pick up the pieces and probably get IndyCar a game and get it back into the sim. I mean, that would be the best outcome. And everyone's like, oh, well, don't forget John Henry, you know, has got all this money. You know, he could just write a check, right? Actually drove by his high school today. Um, no, you're right. And if they do get motorsports games, then they get the NASCAR license as well for the console. And then they could, uh, now they got the world of outlaws, NASCAR, IndyCar. And, uh, um, it would be a big win, wouldn't it? Yeah. We're, we're coexisting in a happy world, but right now we're not. So I got to debate if I'm going to continue on with this IndyCar schedule that I've built myself to, to practice through the winter and get ready for Sebring. But who knows if that's even going to be a thing. Well, I know you guys say it's just easy for John Henry to write a check. He's getting He's getting ripped apart in sports media right now with his team, Boston Red Sox, not spending any money on the offseason. So it's kind of hard to, <laughs> to see if he's going to actually spend that kind of money. We're talking about important business here. <laughs> the other thing I, we brought up and talked about in our group chat was, what if we woke up and it was 
NASCAR who was pulling out, not IndyCar. What kind of effect would that have on us and I and the community and and iRacing and and sim racing? What if NASCAR had some kind of crazy exclusive like this and didn't have it where we could have our Daytona 500 to have our A fixed and our A open and our NIS? I mean, what would happen? It financially cripple them. My wife would cripple me probably. She'd like, you spent how much to shoot deer? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm sorry, they lost the NASCAR license. Well, I know in. I was going to say, gonna like, say Greg, uh, the, the road guys don't want to hear this too, but you know, you got 50, I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm pretty sure oval is the most, one of the more dominant things done on iRacing. And if you take the NASCAR series out of it, that would be catastrophic for the software. Well, is an IMSA owned by NASCAR? It is. And so the likelihood of those going away are probably slim considering Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s role, you know, with NASCAR and iRacing. So, um, so there you have that to kind of lit, hang your hat on, but I still think this is a big hit for iRacing negatively. Uh, I, I think new customers looking at the overall uh, content lineup of iRacing, uh, now it's missing IndyCar. That's going to hurt. It's going to stop people from signing up, some people. I want to see what the ratings for IndyCar will be after this as well. Like just in general on the viewership of the, the actual events, like it, it could seriously, like David said, I can tell you this, I'm probably not I'm interested in, I like watching it and then going and racing it. And if I can't race it, I don't usually watch it anymore. Man, it's funny. You guys both say that I, I've been off and on throughout my life with IndyCar throughout the nineties, two thousands and currently, but, uh, my recent stint with uh, iRacing, well, I should say my recent stint with IndyCar is because of iRacing, because of getting in the car. I'm like, I kind of understand it a little bit better. Uh, I hate saying that, but I've been watching off and on. But the last five years, I've been dedicated to watching every IndyCar race. But like you guys are saying, like, I, I kind of have a weird feeling about it now. I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe it's just one less thing I have to worry about. I was going to say, uh, Mike, when you're talking about the Dale Earnhardt there being involved, if you see him all of a sudden resign from iRacing, that's when you should be careful. <laughs> that won't happen. All right. Well, uh, we all agree it's a terrible decision. It's, uh, but that's about all we can say about it for the day. So we're going to jump on to the next topics. And we have the first patch that came out, Season 1, Patch 1. And we've got some release notes. How about uh, we hit this one, Brian? Yeah, guys. Uh, so uh, this release note uh, was um, – Put out by Alice Gustafson on the forums, and the patch. The big, big thing in the patch is it's it's the tardy version of the VIR raceway with the full update, laser scan, all the bug fixes and stuff like that. So um, that was the big deal with this, the the, the VIR. I guess they, they were probably fine-tuning a few things before, before then didn't want to release it at the time of of, of the of uh, week thirteen, but it's out now. <clears throat> Um, so yeah, so some cool things with that. Um, we got some other things on there too. Just kind of little fixes with AI uh, active reset, which is a new feature. They did some little fixes for that. Uh, it says here that fixed an issue where the car could explode if active reset was run where the car would warp directly through walls, bridges, or track surfaces in order to travel back to its starting location. 
That would have been a couple fun. more, a uh, couple more damage model fixes on the R I R O one, the new Mercedes, actually the old Mercedes too, and the Renault 2.0. Um, nothing, uh, nothing more with VR. So I, I guess they either figured they fixed the VR with the last patches, or um, or or they're still working on any any more bugs that they're having with the VR uh, frame rate issues. All right, definitely a small patch, but good to have it out there. All right, Greg, we've got a couple of promotional videos coming out. Yeah, so we got two of them here, and obviously Brian broke the news of one of them. I'll do that one first, which uh, was VIR, which um, actually is one of uh, iRacing's hidden gem tracks. I kind of really like this for sports car racing. I think it's uh, um, the video shows it off real nice. There's a nice uh, new, um, obviously updated with all the better uh visuals it's kind of vir was probably just as old as what lime rock on here it's probably one of the older ones um but i like the uh i like the fact that i was watching a show the other night um where they were doing something on vir and um how they have the housing that's off to the one side of the track where you can stay for the night and then out at the backyard of your hotel room is the the racetrack which is such a nice thing for that track um but also they had the other video here would be the Mercedes uh, W13 crappy F1 Mercedes car, uh, team this year car. They gave us the slower car, slower one of the slower F1 cars this year. Um, but uh, no, it's uh, good to bring in that car. Um, that was one that was promised last year, and obviously waited till the end of the season to bring it out. Um, yeah, there's not much more to talk about that one. It's just a normal F1 car that uh, same as last year's F1 car with uh, the updated skin, I guess, basically. This next video is quite a bit crazy, and I really hope this guy hashed this replay file that this happened to, because an LMP got into a spin and and just went like suddenly centrifuge mode and was just spinning incredibly crazy rapidly. I hope he wasn't in VR. Uh, I want to see it in VR. <laughs> the Dan Suzuki fella, he actually goes into the replay from the cockpit view, and it's disgusting. Like, I... You couldn't even keep your eyes open. I mean, it was really spinning fast. Uh, yeah. Imagine that on one of those 360 uh, motion rigs. The, the rig just goes, I can't do it anymore. It just stops. Can't compute. Can't compute. It's actually a pretty fantastic soundtrack, too. Yeah, I think the good music choice. Uh, you spin me right round, baby, right round, like a baby. Right round, baby, right round. Is that how you do it? You do. Definitely one of the craziest bugs I've ever seen and, uh, and probably impossible to reproduce. This next one, um, we don't have any streamers in the group anymore, but uh, iRacing is now among the top 10 Twitch stream sports online. I saw one of us on Twitch or Facebook maybe yesterday. That was that was me on my old computer because it still had OBS installed. Ah, Okay. It looks like uh, iRacing cracked the top 10, and I'm seeing chess at number five. Who's chess, watching people play chess? Right. How do we, how are we 10th and they're fifth? You know, that's what I was I hate wondering. to tell you, chess is pretty big in some places. I mean, I like chess. Chess is fun, but to watch it? Don't, don't we sit and watch, don't, don't we sit and watch a politicians debate on TV as well? So isn't negative? That... No, we don't do that. Some people do. <laughs> TV? Well... You know what I meant. What's the worst thing you guys watch? Kids YouTube. Same thing over and over. Kids YouTube. 
Uh, but 10's pretty right. good. 10's, 10's up there. Um, uh, let's try to get get above uh, chess here in the future. Or what, what's track mini? Do you know what that is? Well, Twitch put up numbers for 2022, 17 million hours watched uh, for iRacing. And then uh, one and three are both um, EA Sports FIFA Soccer, just uh, the 22 version and the 23 version, which, you know, uh, soccer obviously is a, a global sport, very popular, but th that might be skewed with the World Cup being this year, too. So th those numbers could be inflated. I don't think it's really that inflated. Soccer is <laughs> FIFA is one of the most purchased games there is console wise. At least curling's not on here. Hey, 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 easy. At least people are yelling at each other in that. I'm still trying to figure out watching two people play chess. But I don't know if you can consider Rocket League a, a sports game, too. Is that, Am I wrong on that? Or is that Trackmania is the same type of thing. I just looked it up. Yeah. It's basically the same thing as Rocket. It's kind of a, a different type of, kind of like a Mario Kart itch, I think. Okay. I'm really, I guess, I guess people don't, I would thought something like Mario Kart might have been on there thinking, but I guess that's not streamed as much. Well, how do you make, some, how, do you, how do you make chess a sport as well? Oh, there better be crowds and people cheering and getting or, pissed. I mean, it, when you take the queen, do you get to punch him in the face? <laughs> You've never taken that's your baby to a sport. I can't believe no, no Madden football on this list either. You would think that would be up there. Yeah, I would, that's a good call. I would have thought Madden would have been there too, because I'm wondering if it's just, it was a down year for Madden too. Now, when I was a kid, we had a Commodore 128. You want to go back to ancient computer days. And there actually was a battle chess type game where every time you made a move, the characters had different strengths and you actually had to fight it out in a little mini game for each move. Now, looking at these results, do you think something like IndyCar is thinking like see something like this and go, oh, we could probably be in that type of list not knowing because it's a con all these other things are basically console based, right? They were in the list. They were number ten, and they took themselves out of number ten. <laughs> God, what a horrible decision! I mean, it's amazing. I like that, so, Brian. That was good. So the goal for the rest of the show is to take every article and bounce it back to IndyCar is stupid. <laughs> we're gonna be talking about a wheel and and turn it into something about Indy. We won't get to use it on the Indy 500. Here's a formula wheel that you won't get to use on the Indy 500. Well, here's something you probably won't have to practice for the Indy 500 is active reset. But the question is not now, is the Indy decision a good or bad thing? But is active reset a good or bad thing? What do you think, Donnie? I do know that motorsports games will not have active reset. Uh, but fellow iRacer Damon Black posted in the forums and stated that active reset could co be considered harmful. Uh, this was very, um, actually put a lot of thought into what he said here. I'm sure it'll be a minority opinion, but I think active reset diminishes the iRacing experience. It's moving tests, solo practice, sessions away from a sim driving experience and toward uh, monotonous game grinding. I also suspect it will produce drivers who can nail qualifying laps but are a disaster when they have to drive off their ideal line. Now, where I took this um, a little bit is a couple things. I hope he drives to the pits after every race. He doesn't pull over after the start, finish line, and hop out of the car. I hope he drives all the way around. But um, I kind of get where he's coming from because when I got into iRacing, I was super excited that I could drive from the pits, drive around, you know, do your warm-up laps, and then pull back into the pits when you're – when you were done, 
However, it's a good thing. Well, in response to his last sentence, there are already drivers that can nail qualifying laps but don't have any racecraft. All right, so this is that's not going to I don't think increase this at all. There's you know every race every time we're in a even in that league practice or especially online uh, in an open practice. Uh, I'll be sitting 20th on the speed chart and then I'll go look at my 20 lap average and I'm second. Right. So I don't, I don't think this is going to exacerbate that. It's just going to, because most of those guys, I probably aren't going to actually use active reset anyway. They're just going to sit there and keep trying to run qualifying laps. Here's my, I always thought about this on David. I'm going to use you as an example with this because I think that active reset for something um, it can be used. You got to look at the bright side to it. So say you're in your own practice session. You want to practice a qualifying lap. Well, you don't want to come out of pit road um, and try and make your way through three and four um, the per, at the same time, same way each time you can actually set yourself up so that you're starting at a certain point and trying to go around so you can kind of duplicate your lap and, and get it just from that. Um, I thought that this thing for you, David, was a good thing for, for you to try because you always have problems with qualifying laps. It, active reset would be like a way to try and do a quicker qualifying session for yourself, more accurate, I guess. Maybe, but no, I, I just don't. I'm just not a fast one lapper. It's just it does, part of my driving style. It doesn't sound like you run Q, Q setups anyway. For the most part, uh, yeah, I do, and I, but I don't practice it a whole lot. He qualifies. He just, he just, like you said, he's not a one lapper guy. I, I don't know. Like this guy's only been an active user in iRacing for just over a year. I was just looking into it. He's only made a couple posts. Um, I don't know what experience he has in the whole realm of um, this. I can't. Anything you can add for someone to help them practice is good. I mean. How many people do we have? Do we hear like are like Mike who get into a race and just go? So if you have some tools in practice, how does that hurt anybody? You're not hurting anybody in a practice. At least somebody's trying practice. Some people just go straight into a race. I think that's my point on this, or my answer to his his point is: look, most people are on iRacing because they want to race other people, and. Most people, when they practice, they want to get in a practice with real people, okay? And I bet you there's a big, big percentage of iRacers who never, ever get into a practice by themselves, into a test session. I think a lot of people never touch it, to be honest. But I already think that it's a very small percentage that would actually use this. The new tool, Active Reset, might even drive more people to do testing than did it before. Uh, perhaps, but again, I still think it's such a small percentage. It, there's really no effect on the overall experience or community because most people aren't going to touch it. And the monotonous game grinding, that's just you doing it to yourself. You don't have to do it. So it's not going to, people who are going to grind out that corner are people who want to do it. So I don't see it being, you know, a negative. The only sympathy I do have for his, uh, do have his, for his point of view is that, you know, if, if you want iRacing to be exactly like real world, 
you can't go out in real world and redo certain corners over and over again. If if you if you if you if you believe if you believe that iRacing should be as close to real world in every possible way, then access reset is kind of like a is is not is does not follow those guidelines. So if he wrecks his car in practice, he's done. You're done. Yeah. I want to see a tow truck hook that thing up and pull it back. You also can't run your mouth the way a lot of these guys do when somebody's right there in front of you in person. That's a big one. Well, some well, well you can you just that you don't get your chat gone for three months. Well, maybe they should make you uh, park your car if you crash. <laughs> I know, I know they should should make some people pay for damage. It'd be an incentive to people from driving like idiots sometimes. Maybe some kind of in-game monetary system and you got to pay for your repairs or, or whatnot. Well, this next guy did not have to use iRacing's uh, active reset to reach his 10K I rating, I think. Simone Maria uh, Marceno he has become the newest member of the 10,000 I rating club. Right. Now, do you think... Uh... He won't be losing. They won't be losing any I rating in the Indy car as well now either. He doesn't have to worry about it going down on the roadside. Nope. He might have to I, focus on the formula cars. How, is it easy to look up how many do we have over ten thousand? Yeah. Yeah. You just go into the Stats. thing. It, was, it should have you there right away. It's really easy on the website. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering on the new thing. I don't know. He's he's got a picture of some of his stats here, or just his uh, races from iRacing. It looks like he's primarily running the uh, Porsche 911 GT3, um, but he's got looks like win after win after win after win after win every day, multiple wins. What's the lowest series you can race that car in? Can you farm in that car? You can farm in anything. But I'm guessing wherever he is, he's in top split every single time and probably the number one car. So you have no choice but to win. Now, we were talking about stats, so I'll digress real quick. I mentioned in the group chat, I've been playing around with that new uh, AI, was it chat GPT? Um, and wouldn't it be cool if they hooked that into iRacing stats into their API? And then I could just ask it. I could say, hey, how many people do we have over 10,000 iRating in road? And it would just give me the answer. They'll add it to the website and then get rid of it. Next up, we have a question. Will iRacing be ready? What do you think, Steve? Yeah, so this was uh, posted by R.E. Samuelson. He posted in the forums of iRacing asking if iRacing will be ready for the May All-Star event at North Wilkesboro. And... um, some people think it will be that it's going to be uh, rescanned and ready in time for the all-star event wouldn't that mostly depend on if they're ready for it like it sounds like they're going to be cutting it pretty close to getting it all set up for that day my my mind makes me think that um there's already plans in place of what they're going to build and what they're going to put up and those have already been given to iRacing and they're going to they will have this ready there's no doubt that they won't have it ready but the real world's got to be ready uh, first as well. I'm still bummed we're not getting this as a special event uh, for iRacing, the All-Star Weekend. This is, uh, dang it, this would be cool. Maybe something's got to be created on a hosted level. Well, they, they'll just run the A-Open A-Fixed at North Wilkesboro that week, right? Yep. But you're, I, you're saying you I want, want an NIS event. event. Yep. Right. I want to make it, you don't have to make it for points or whatever, but if there's going to be a heat format to it, which there might be, um, and I don't see nothing for the clash 
that they did last year. Ah, that's off topic. Anyway, are uh, are the All Star races are they are they a points race in NIS? No, that's why they're, they're not. Oh, yes. A Open will be there. The uh, the one in the Coliseum last year was an A Open too. It wasn't a special event. So that's probably what they'll do. They'll just put it as A Open and A Fix for the week. It would be cool if uh, they got the NASCAR stages in place to bring it to us in time for that, and then we could have proper stages. Long runs, long runs, longer runs. Yeah, we only run half the length of the race anyway, so splitting that well, into three stages would suck. Less yellows and more long runs. <laughs> it's always what this is. I, I feel like this is what, when Mike is wearing a long run and Mike always crank calls for the caution, he's going to be calling for the halfway Mike, flag. That's the that's sound. Right. That's literally his soundboard. He just pushes a button. I need a caution. Come on, caution. Tells me his right. Super quick in the short run, though. Mercy caution. What was your right tire at last night during the green flag stop or Monday night? Thirty-four. <laughs> Is that an oval car? What car was that on? That was oval. Yeah. On a big oval. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, bring us up to date on the world of outlaws, Brian. You missed one. Oh, did I? You mean I'll do the outlaws while we're here? Oh yeah, yeah. I did skip one. So, uh, yeah, Monday night was uh, week four of the World of Outlaws Bar Quest uh, series, uh, which made its debut at the new new track they just put out, Lincoln Speedway, and uh, was actually won by Kenny Miller. It's his first win ever uh, in this series. He's a rookie, so it's his first year too. So he won his first race in week four. Pretty good. Might have had a little, uh, a little uh, help because uh, he actually races on this track in real life. So um, he's a USAC driver, and the USAC comes to this track every once in a while. Um, so that's pretty cool. And another one of the drivers who who actually uh, was uh, fell victim to an accident in the heat race, uh, Logan Rumsey. He's uh, one of the better drivers in the series too. He's a he's a semi regular at this track. Um, so a couple guys who've uh, been here in real life uh, were racing this today or Monday night. Um, second place was uh, Kendall Tucker, Clayton Tilly third, Tyler Shell fourth, and Aiden Beerline was fifth. Um, Alex Bergeron was uh, he was actually fighting for uh, second place, um, and when he got wiped out uh, by uh, by Timothy Smith on the last lap of the uh, feature race, so he went from from finishing second, well, third at the worst. To all the dropped all the way to twelfth, the last car on the lead lap. So he he took a little bit of hit in the points, but nobody else really um, who was close to him in points really did great either. So um, so then the week four we got uh, Alex Bergeron at uh, two hundred sixty seven points, um, thirty one points ahead of Tyler Shell in second. So he still got a, a, a decent lead right now. Uh, they can go really quick in these in this format where you you might not get any points if you don't make a feature race. But um, week five is going to be this coming. Monday is at I-55 Speedway. A little short little uh, bull ring. Should be really fun to watch. Uh, so we'll be uh, checking that one out. All right. Jumping around on the script a little bit. I did overlook this one. I guess I was scrolling too far ahead. Um, iRacing Track Garages. We have a tweet from Ryan Blackford suggesting a full screen garages. And I guess he just wants the, uh, the garage interface to be larger. Um, First of all, how do you do that in AI? And you can actually change the scaling of, of the UI and make it pretty much take up the whole screen. Yeah, I don't know if it's needed to be bigger. It's fine the way it is. 
However, my mind thinks he wants a garage UI where you could pull into and you're going to see people walk around your car and and uh, that would be cool. But uh, yeah, the UI is fine. He's been playing the F1 Codemaster games too much. I, I don't know if you guys are thinking what I'm thinking. So you load a set, you want to go change the gas in the set. You have to click to the second tab and you have to scroll down. Why do we have to scroll down? Because it's in this little tiny window in the middle of the screen. So he's saying, let's move that out of the tiny window and make it a big window so you can see all the settings, including the fuel without scrolling. Well, the reason it's that way is because some cars have some really, really long setup sheets. So right, that still makes the box the whole way they do it though. Sounds like they've always done it this way and change is hard. That's the thing. I, I just, you know, it's in this tiny box in the middle of a screen. I, I agree with him. Let's make it bigger. When they started iRacing 12, 13 years ago, whatever, you know, maybe that box was big enough. But now we have Formula One cars and we have all these, you know, with them 5 million settings and, and all this different stuff. So maybe we should, you know, use the real estate. There's a lot of screen real estate um, on that screen that's just wasted. Well, I think what you would have to do then, Mike, because if the way that they set it up on the screen is the way it's laid out on a car as well from nose to tail. So if you're looking at it, they'd probably have to take it and turn it sideways on the screen. So from the left side of your screen to the right side of your screen would go nose to tail. I mean, let's redesign it. Instead of having tabs for tires, tabs for chassis, maybe you have the tires on the left of the screen and you have the chassis on the right and you can see everything at once well i think some of that stuff all corresponds to each other because when you change something in the because they have like because you could have like another one for arrow but if you didn't if you change the ride heights then the arrow settings change like i think there's all these things that coexist together that they don't want to try and i think change is hard for iRacing and i think that's one thing that i don't know if they actually would the only benefit if you wanted the full screen is they have to turn it sideways. The car would have to be go from north or from left to right instead of north to south, right? Because um, that's the only way you would get it on the screen nowadays. Does it size not change if you alter the UI scaling? I think so. Not the overall, the box it's in. Would this go over better than the, the UI, the better UI? Sounds like that's a lot of change, but it could be bigger. That's what she said. I like the idea. All right. Well, we, we did already talk about VRI or VIR, so we're going to roll down past that. And we have the Coke Series 2023 roster. Mike. Yes. The, uh, the E NASCAR Contender Series is over. And we have our top 22 that have advanced to the Coke Series. Why is it 22? Because remember, we had two uh, retirements Blake Reynolds and somebody else. So Logan, Logan Clampett. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to read off real quick the 22 names. Uh, we'll see if you guys recognize anybody. Joey Brown, Jordy Lopez Jr., Alan Bose, Colin Keister, Cody Bias, Tucker Minter, Vicente Salas, Hayden Honeycutt, Derek Justice, Wyatt Tinsley, Derek Bardot, Colin Bowden, Parker White, Dylan Alt, Timmy Holmes, Tyler Gary, Ryan Duchette, Brandon McKissick, Malik Ray, Kevin King, Michael Cozy Jr., Daniel. Falkingham was the last guy to get in on the points. Is Malik Ray a return? He wasn't yep. in last year, right? He was in last year. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, he's yeah. he's a returning. Uh, so there's several returning people here. Alan Bose, Colin Keister, Cody, Cody Bias are returning. Vicente Salas, Derek Justice, Derek Bardot, Colin Bowden. So they did, uh, Ryan Duchette, all these guys are returning. I'm looking at one yeah. of the guys that didn't make it, um, that Blaze Crawford fella. I raced with him a lot. Now, granted, I raced with him. I didn't race against him. He's too fast in the truck series last year. But um, So it's kind of cool to see names that you're used to racing on a weekly basis at least make this list, not necessarily actually cross that red threshold. But, uh, yeah, maybe one day. And Ray Alfala way down there, eh? Yeah, yeah he didn't make it. Thirty fifth, and he he, and it wasn't like it doesn't look like from these stats like he was uh, getting wrecked out or anything. I mean, his average start was thirty uh, first, so I mean he's not qualifying well either. So just not a. I mean he talked a little bit. We had a story about him last week where you know he he thinks these cars are just it's too much about tire wear and and uh, not about going fast. And you know I guess that's that's what um what he was talking about as far as having a really bad result in the contender series here well your average is 31st starting that's hard to make up ground on with really good drivers right well he finished 35th in the paint so you know so he wasn't making any ground at all i feel like the tire issue is just a a way to complain about something but i mean you got to be able to adapt especially at this level uh, was, the tire really good. His exploit that he he probably knew how to to run it a certain way, and it just worked for him. When we called him the alien, right? That I happens in real life. Sorry, I understand the uh, having trouble in the uh, in the Cup car because it's new and drives different. But I don't understand the Xfinity car because he was he was really strong in it last year, and I I don't see the tires changing from last year to this year. You're right. This is the second time in a couple of years he's had to come out of the uh, contender series to get back in it. And you're right, Steve. I remember he did really good one year in the contender series. He dominated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was last yeah. year. This guy who this guy finished he- 20th, uh, Kevin King. I follow him on Twitter for a long time. And I, if, if I'm right, he might be the oldest Coke driver next year. Uh, he's an old guy uh, like me, uh, he used to be in the uh, Coke uh, series back in the day, apparently. And so he's making a return. So uh, congratulations from back Kevin. when Earnhardt used to run with them. Yeah, yeah. He used to run with the Dirty Mo Posse and those guys. Yep. I'm uh, glad to see Michael Cosey Jr. in 21st making the cut. Um, he's He's been around a little while. He's, uh, he's won the Firecracker 400 before. So uh, he's had some really good good runs. Um, I remember he lives out in uh, Western Maryland, out by where I go camping in the summer. Should uh, the 21st and 22nd driver be thankful that two guys didn't aren't coming back to the series next year to add those extra in? Yeah. Yeah, it all works sure. out one way or another. Exactly, yeah. Uh, it's also good to see some of these returning Coke drivers make it back in so they can give it another shot. Like Derek Justice, I mean, his rookie season in Coke did not go well. I mean, he was back in the 30th and back, you know, kind of spots. And so I'm glad to see he's back in it so he can try another time. And and some of these other guys, I'm sure they, they can step it up. Well, Vincente Salas made his name in this series last year, wasn't it? He had I mean, a win. Series? Yeah. He had a win as well and still had to got relegated. Yeah. 
think that was two years ago that he won. But it was, was, it? Uh, okay. it was it was one of those short tracks. It was like I think it was Dover, maybe. And he just like blew away the field. He like won wire to wire. All right. Next up, we talked a little bit about it this week, but we've got an article from Traxion this time around talking about the screen to speed. You want to pick this one up, Steve? In an effort to give a boost to female sim racers, the first ever screen to see speed iRacing competition by Init Esports will highlight women in the esports through a unique online tournament. And uh, they have a uh, post here all female. Uh, all female esports competition screen to speed offers $15,000 in prize money in an effort to give a boost to female iRacers and first ever screen to speed iRacing competition will highlight the women in esports throughout the industry. And uh, anyways, you can go to register um, bit.ly forward slash S to speed or go to screentospeed.com to learn more. And if you're a woman, get signed up for this. There's there's quite a bit of prize money, and um, you don't have to only be a woman. You can identify as a woman to uh, get signed up for this. I think uh, December 19th started the registration. Yeah, you have until February 12th to set your time in the time attack in iRacing. You take the top 20 finalists are going to be sent to Vegas for phase two for an in-person battle. That's interesting. That's I should during the NASCAR race. weekend. Yeah, so you can, yeah. Is Dave again, are you going to shave off your beard before you go or just wear it? Why are you talking to me? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, it was Adam who said he wanted to participate, right? It was one yeah, of I you can, guys. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah. I figured you'd be I would, in the top I would, two. I would uh, not... Before we get canceled, can you guys go on to the next topic? I, I, I would not dishonor everybody that identifies as woman is trying to claim I'm one. So we will move on to the next topic, though. We got a video of the iRacing build highlights. Brian. Yeah, um, real, real quick hit here, but um, iRacing has done this the past few builds. It's a really cool thing they do. So it's just a, a video on their YouTube channel that kind of just goes piece by piece um, what new what new um, things they brought to the uh, sim on the last build. So, you know, it goes over the new cars, the new tracks. Um, it, it did a pretty long section of it was based on the active reset to give you to give a little bit more um, highlights of how it works and stuff like that that um I, I always look forward to these when things are done just to uh, just to remind me of everything that was that was done in each previous build and these youtube videos do that really well well it's a good way to they sell do. their product too right everybody when it's one thing to read it in a in a point you know bullets and forms but when you get to see the visual things you can you can figure out what you want to purchase and stuff like that it draw more people to the sim too well, what I like about the video is it's fairly short, four and a half minutes, and they splash up, you know, a sentence or two on the screen about what the upgrade is, and then they're showing the, you know, the driving in the background. So like you said, you get the visuals, it ties you in, you can read the sentence real quick, it's not a lot of text, you know, and, and so you can really get an idea about what, what the upgrade is. It's a great way to... It reminded me like I forgot completely about the Ford Mustang getting new artwork and uh, thinking maybe I should go try it. Can someone tell me around the 415 mark, 
The Subarus are on a track. Do you know what track that is? I can't tell what it is. Is it Magnet? Oh, that's Core? the new Rudge Coggin. Rudge Coggin's already been That's out the new one? Yeah, it's a free track for everybody <laughs> called Rudge yeah. Coggin. Oh, okay. That's yeah, someone with all the rocks, rocks and everything. So Rudge Coggin came out and Magni Core came out. Well, one thing that's not on the next item is the Indy 500, right? There we go. We're pointing it back again. But what we do have is the special events calendar. And if you take a glance, you see most of uh, all the things that we've seen before, except the Indy 500 and Le Mans. And Le Mans. Uh, yeah. the, the long NASCAR events are the Coke 600, the Daytona 500, obviously, the Bristol uh, Fall Race, which I believe is pavement, and then, of course, the finale at Phoenix. And on all of the endurance events, you'll notice they, they've got the whole set at similar times. Uh, if you're talking GMT times, it's 2,200, 700, 1,200, and 1,600. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I like that the Roar is going to have the new GR86 car in it. Yes. Replaces the Mazda. Hey, do you think you're going to have to bleep out every time you said IndyCar? On this, since it's an iRacing podcast, we're not showing it. We're just, we're just, we're just streaming and talking about it. And we're saying indie car. We're we're putting a space there. Well, we're also saying it as a critique, which gives us fair use. Other than the two events, not on the schedule for this year. Is this just a cut and paste from last year? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's Where's a cut the growth every year? Where's the growth? I know I'm beating a dead horse, but uh. Special events are fun. They give you a different feeling when you enter them. So I don't know what else besides the one I keep beating on. Would you guys like to see that they don't have in here? They need to have a major F1 series and have Monaco. That'd be a crash fest, but that'd be cool. That, be, that being be said, the same weekend um, as Cindy. That well, means you don't have to worry about it anymore. Every, right? that's, what I, that's what I mean. It could fill that spot in the schedule. Every month has a, an event. So Indeed. it's already uh, pretty packed. Fuji eight hour is that new? Yeah, the new Fuji track is new, right? It just came out a couple builds ago. Yeah, so I don't know if th this year we ran it or not, but it's definitely on the schedule for next November. I think Donnie, the one problem, I mean, obviously David kind of pointed out, there's one every month, but we're at a point in iRacing where what's what major series do we have left that has an event that we don't cover that we're missing type thing. we don't have that big ad right unless you add say like someday the, the sim had like obviously it's not going to happen but if you had motorcycles you'd have a big motorcycle event that would be the only thing that would change right yeah no i think you guys are right everything that's big is pretty much on here and the other ones that are not on there are just not on there because they can't get the licensing for it which were the we're two probably the two biggest events in the schedule, right? No, the Daytona twenty four. Oh, yeah. All right, I'll calm down a bit. Indy car. All right, we have a Mad Max sighting, Brian. And the guy, I'm not sure who the guy's name was, but his uh, handle on Twitter is uh, Dale Canhard, the retired NASCAR god. So 
pretty, and pretty cute there. Um, Dan Hart, yeah. So uh, anyway, he was uh, doing a race at Talladega and looked at his uh, relative screen, and sure enough, he saw Max Verstappen on there, and it's like, uh, and he put it out on Twitter. It's like, yeah, is this the real guy? Well, uh, it is. Uh, he, you know, he does races on iRacing, um, and you can't really fake your name like uh, like that. So. Yeah, so he raced with uh, he will race with Max Verstappen, which was pretty cool, and in, in NASCAR at Talladega, um, so awesome. So, what when I read this story, I thought it was really cool, and I I was thinking of myself, you know, what what races have I, what what real world drivers or, or celebrities even did I get in races with that I that I remember? Um, so, and I was going to ask you guys the same thing. Um, only one I can think of, I, I've done. Dale Jr. before, but then again, I was really ghosting him, you know, following him, see what races he was in. So that doesn't really count. But have you ever like hopped into a race session and somebody famous was on there that you didn't didn't stalk into? We, we, um, we the only one I remember. Twenty four hours. Yeah, I was going to say we were chased, <laughs> we chased them for twenty four hours a couple of years ago. <laughs> the only one I could think of was uh, I got to uh, um, a sprint car race uh, and uh, Rico Abreu was in it and. Uh, that was pretty cool. I mean, we get to share the airways with the pod, the pod father every week. That's right. I <laughs> raced with uh, the Sadler brothers. Well, that was neat when they were in the winter league uh, one year, um, you know, to show up the first week and, and those guys were in there. That was pretty right. cool. We used to have uh, Noah Gregson used to show up at our OBRL practices in the tr- when he was running trucks at uh, for uh, Kyle Bush. How was that? He's not thirty-five. It was just open practices, (laughs) and it was that was when we had Canadians banned. I had the Sadler brothers in an ARCA race. Um, I did have Junior in a practice session way back when I was brand new in the street stock. Actually, I posted a faster time than him, so I took a picture of that and I've kept that. Um, But what I find it so odd is the guys that try to interact with them with any of them and it just feels so uncomfortable because usually they just go radio silent they don't want to they don't usually engage the dale jr ones are cringeworthy dale will talk but he'll talk after the race you have to kind of wait um but yeah uh i've been in with dale uh, one that's notable a few years ago tony stewart was on uh i remember it was at pocono and it was with a bunch of the coke drivers and I was able to enter the room as a ghost, you know, ghost the room. And I went in there and was trying to chase down Tony Stewart. And I chased him down eventually and passed him, even though I was a ghost in the room. I was, you know, it was kind of cool racing next to him and stuff. And right. I hear him on the radio talking and stuff. It was neat. I he see. was probably on, he was probably on old tires too. And you're probably brand new out <laughs> coming right out of right, pit right. road. <laughs> I've been I've been in a lot of sports car races with Tony Kanaan and AJ Allmendinger. Allmendinger's not running as much now since he's got a good full time career going again. So you can't can you really call him Mad Max on here anymore though? I guess he's more like two time. So I pulled up my uh, we have a friends list on iRacing right, and so I kind of restrict my friends list to our teammates only. But there are a few notable people I've friend requested on iRacing that have never accepted. Now, I still have a couple teammates, Joe Owen and Donnie Spiker, who have yet to accept my friend request on iRacing. But I also have asked Daryl Waltrip 
and Joey Legato and Sebastian Vettel to be my friend on iRacing, and they haven't accepted. Oh, we know what Donnie thinks of himself. Where do I go to the friends at? I'm on the I'm on the website. <laughs> Bottom right, you'll see a flashing green button. Whatever. That thing's been flashing for two years. I had no idea. I thought I thought it just mean I'm I'm on. I'm connected. That's right. We are the best of friends. All right, let's move on. We got NASCAR in the rain. This is really more uh, real life racing related, but it'll affect the sim at some point. Kenny Wallace on this show has said that the three NASCAR series will attempt to race in the rain at several of the tracks, including North Wilkesboro, the LA Coliseum, Phoenix, Richmond, Martinsville, and New Hampshire. So seeing those track lists, obviously the Coliseum and Phoenix are the least likely to have rain, right? We had two rainouts at Phoenix in the cup series, but over what 20 years. Yeah, I was gonna say obviously North in you know North Works will probably have a chance. Richmond definitely, Martinsville and New Hampshire always is in like right on the border at that time of year for rain. Now some teammates chimed in on this that what what will most likely happen because there's no way if you have active rain that they're going to be able to run in an oval because the spray is it's not you're not going to be able to see. But what what they'll probably do is instead of having to wait until the track's completely dry, just make everybody start on a damp track with 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 uh, rain tires and and then switch over. Well, they did have the mud flaps that were on the car, and that did reduce it last year for it. So I don't know if that was going to be, you know, I don't know if that helps. They did test with those mud flaps with the rain tires at Martinsville. Mud flaps are required. Uh, basically, they put out a rule that said when you go to these tracks, you be ready for the rain. Have a wiper, have the mud flaps, have your tires, etc. Defrost. Yeah, I could just see it speeding up the process. Like David said, they're not going to race in the rain, but it'll help speed up uh, the, them getting back on the track and maybe racing in a damper condition. Or if it's drizzling, maybe just a little bit. Well, some of those times a year that where they race at some of those tracks, it's just the worst time of year for those races uh, okay so strategy, what, strategy to the racing too so what's the i racing tie-in well rain's coming guys and so we always talked about when rain comes we only want to see it on the roadside but now that this news has come out that nascar is will potentially race ovals in the rain can we have rain on ovals in i racing can martinsville get any worse like, seriously, is there any worse thing you could have for it? Rain should not be allowed at Martinsville on our racing. Oh, come ever. on. It'd be fun. Everyone has to change tires. and. But <laughs> it would just All be they'd have to do is pick one of the 20 out. cautions. All they'd have to do is pick one of the 20 cautions to change their tires. Right. Can you tell the difference? That's the, that's the question. So is this, is this decision by NASCAR have anything to do with uh, TV, you think? Oh, uh, TV you know. has it definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's everything to do with TV. The, you know, the, these, the rain delays are terrible for their viewing audience and reschedules and everything. It's just a nightmare, I'm sure. This has, I think this has almost everything to do with, uh, with not safety, just TV. A dinosaur-killing streaming service could solve all that. What do we expect from iRacing, though? I mean let's say rain comes out it won't do be we want it to rain at martinsville on occasion it won't it won't be it'll be 
I don't see them release. I see them releasing it track by track, like as they get it through for like, I would guess it would only be on yeah. the roadside for a while. Almost like AI was rolled out where it's just a track here and there. I, I, I kind of feel like the same model that they're going to use for rain in the road courses is not going to translate over directly to uh, ovals right away. And so they'll probably have to make, do some work that way. We, what a, we what all about know it's going to end up like the damage model. They're going to put it on and then take it off. We want to see the artwork different for these tracks. Like, do we want to see the mud flaps on the car at Phoenix? But uh, we don't see do. it somewhere else. Authentic, right? Right. So I, I want to see that stuff on the car. I want to see a wiper on the front of your, your stock car. And then that means in the uh, options, you're going to have to have a wiper uh, switch. Can't even get Mike to have a brake bias dial. What are we going to do when he has to have a wiper switch? <laughs> I'm already out of buttons. I need more buttons. We got some stuff in the hardware that might help them out. Well, you're not going to be running the IndyCar, so you don't need any buttons for that one. I don't know if we're going to have time for hardware today. <laughs> if you look when you if you look at the clock, we'll find out. But uh, Mike, you were mentioning age earlier. You were talking about an older driver being in the Coke series. Uh, Mike, are you the oldest driver in iRacing? I'm not, but this guy might be Jim Baker. He's actually 96 years old, and he's on iRacing. Uh, Ray Alfala, um, he put on Twitter uh, some pictures with Jim Baker, and he said he actually met Jim seven years ago, and he's still at it. And he said, Dad and I fixed up his simulator, and he's ready to go. So it looks like uh, Ray went to visit uh, Jim Baker, uh, tweaked his equipment and whatnot, and got him set up. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he's still out there turning laps and boy what an inspiration do i want to be eye racing when i'm 96 hell yeah i mean that is awesome to be out there mixing it up mike, hold on hold on i got a good one here daddy mike you're gonna want to be on the sim because that's when the motorsports contract's coming up and i indycar is going to be coming oh that's back. when the indycar is back okay perfect well, here's my wife the loved this story she was absolutely thrilled that i'll be doing this for another 50 years <laughs> it's got to be in all honesty, great occupational therapy. Doing stuff like this is going to keep keep your mind in in better shape at that age. You could just sit and watch point. politics all day, or you can eye race. You moving your arms, moving your shoulders. You know, you're right. The eye hand coordination. I, it, there's no downside to it, really. Could you handle a decent force feedback in '96 though, or rip your shoulders out of the socket? Michael have to no. downgrade to a Logitech back then. It, it looks like. Uh, Jim Baker has a Logitech G27, actually. I'll be fine because I'm going to still be deadlifting 300 pounds at that age, right? You guys haven't experienced nothing until you sit in Mike's rig. That's that's a beast. That's probably Ray's stuff from before he got the VRS steering wheel and pedals. I was just going to say, haven't we done a story on this uh, Jim Baker before, Mike, a couple years ago? We have, yeah. It's been, you know, we've been around for several years and Jim, uh, you know, Ray has talked about uh, Jim before, and we've talked about him on the show. So as far as I know, he's the oldest guy on iRacing. I think he was doing the same thing where he was fixing his machine last time he was there. I think he, I think he was 72 when you did it last time, wasn't he, Mike? <laughs> I don't know. What episode are we on now? Uh, I think uh, that would put me... I, I couldn't even be in the OBRL series if, I was, if it was 72 when we were on it last. Well... Here's a question for this next video. Do you think this rig has flex? I called it an oldie, but a goodie. 
Did you see what actually happened, though? Is that flex or is it just poor manufacturing? It stopped flexing. <laughs> flexing so causes the audio to break. So for the audio listeners, I'll describe. There's a video put up here on the Twitter by at motorsports underscore fan three. And it shows uh, him racing at Monza Oval. And he's got some kind of motion rig. I can't tell what it is. But he wrecks in the race. And then his motion rig literally turns over on its side. Is uh, uh, Steve, is that what happened to your rig? when, it, Or did it not flip because it hit the wall before it flipped? Yeah, the walls would have saved it. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd probably gone right over, over the top of me. So I met this guy's alter ego back at the Clash in L.A., but um, I'm, I don't know why I can't think of his name in real life. But um, Ricky Taylor, Jordan Taylor. It's Jordan Taylor. Jordan Taylor. Jordan Taylor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's done something like that, hasn't he? That's this. That's Jordan Taylor. Oh, is that him? Okay, I get it. That see- had to have hurt. Like, <laughs> you just see your money going down the drain when it falls over. You see Connor Daly was in this race, too. It flashes up on the screen his name. Are we still allowed to talk about IndyCar drivers on the show? Yeah, Jordan Taylor. It's IndyCar. Connor Daly's kind of an IndyCar driver. How about Parker Kligerman? He was in it, too. What if you identify as an IndyCar driver? I was going to this year, but I can't no more. Donnie, we were hanging out talking about uh, getting ready for Daytona next year, and you came on and private messaged me and mentioned that you were really surprised how much drive- deeper you could drive now that you have your sim coach pedals working. Well, yeah, I've heard you guys for a good solid year uh, go on about how good the pedals are. I've heard the ad. I, I've, re- I've read the ad, um, but when I bought the pedals, I think we ran our last NIS road course race just prior, so I've only been using them on oval, and you don't necessarily... Um, I didn't didn't get the full effect yet, Uh, but last week um, I'm transitioning to road for the winter and I threw them on uh, my BMW M4 and I mixed up the washers. Um, I thought hard was too hard for that car. Uh, So I did a mixture of hard and soft and it gave me a great feel. And I hadn't driven this car since last February and I went to Road America. I looked up my times and I compared my times and within two laps, I'm still probably on cold tires, wasn't really going extremely hard. And I was able to beat my fastest time, my all time best uh, time by about eight tenths of a second. Um, Still probably on cold tires, being off that, out of that car for about eight months and uh, first time with these pedals. And there wasn't a whole lot of adjusting I needed to do within the within the visor app either. I played around with it, but um, I think what you're saying for the sports cars in general, just keeping them at default is 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 good enough. Yeah, so there you hear it. Just another example of how how great these pedals feel. They just when I press that brake, I'm, I'm not having. To, I don't ever have to lift. It's just I always. I don't have to do negative pressure with my leg, if that makes sense. It's always about how hard you're pushing. You don't have to float your leg and control how high you're holding your foot like you do with the the cheaper models. Um, So iRacers Lounge is the code. You can still get 10% off. It's the best deal you can get. Go get your pedals today. 
simcoaches.com. a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out we do appreciate it check out the discord um, and you'll get involved in the conversation Uh, we're talking all kinds of stuff over there uh, including hardware uh, this week and the uh, website of course for the script and the show notes nothing we're in regular <laughs> We're in regular rotation at Performance Motorsports Network and Roco TV. Excuse me, iRock TV on Roku TV. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash? Good credit? No credit? Doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, we're going to kick off the hardware section presented by Metro Ford with a topic, Logitech through the years. And this is more material from the Sim Racing Expo. They had a nice look at the evolution at the Logitech. Excuse me. They had a nice look at the evolution of the Logitech Sim Racing wheels. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Pretty cool. Yep. Is it bad that I've owned almost every one of those? At one point? <laughs> I was going to say that a couple of them look really familiar. I used to have one for, uh, I want to say PlayStation 2 that was like the gear driven and it made the most noise I've ever heard a wheel make. I think so my I've... first one was actually a Momo and then I had a G27 for a real long time. What other brands were out in the 90s? Because I remember buying one like you were saying, Fanatec. Uh, Greg. Uh, no, it, wasn't, it wouldn't have been Fanatec, but maybe it's Logitech, but I remember being a, I remember returning it like right away. It wasn't that great. Fanatec was really high end back then though. Like they were, if you had a Fanatec, it was top of the line, but it might've been early 2000s. No, this was bought at a Kmart most likely. I think it was a neat that Logitech put up a display case to show off all the previous products they've ever had. And it was kind of like a walk down history lane. Uh, a neat need to do at the expo. Um, I think it'd be neat if other manufacturers did it as well. And just, uh, you know, have that historical reference. Do you ever think Mike saying this, do you ever think they'll have a, a sim racing museum? Hall of fame. Yes. We need a sim racing hall of fame. Yeah. Should be in the NASCAR one. It'll be in Boston somewhere near iRacing. I remember, I remember back in the day, I always drooled over the Thomas super wheel. That was, like the one that's like the the high-end high-end you know high-end wheel that you could get back then that dale jr was using and whatnot now in a semi-related note fanatec announced this week that the gtdd pro is finally available for pre-order um they're going to be shipped out uh at uh we estimate they'll be shipped and be in your hands before the end of february You'll get them as soon as the IndyCar game comes out on 
consoles. Uh, one more related topic on fan attack uh, down in the thread in the show notes further, you'll find that they've updated their uh, software and there's a beta driver and there's a new Fana, I think it's called Fana labs uh, version. And apparently that Fana lab version will allow you to set a particular uh, driving profile for your wheel per car. And so like when you go into a particular car, it'll sense it and load that profile. Sounds pretty cool. Do you have to use Fana Labs for that, I guess? You do. You have to have the new version of the Fana Labs and you have to, uh, I understand, uh, uh, install the beta version of the driver Yeah, I just uh, to go along with it. I just use the driver. But... How, on your direct drives, how many different settings can you put into the wheel alone? Like how many presets do you guys have? Fan attack is five, five presets. Yeah. Okay. So it's the same as their other ones. Yeah. And one of mine is retired that I was using because the LMP is dead. You didn't have any IndyCar ones? Um, yeah, I guess that one's retired too, in fact. Sorry, I said that too fast. IndyCar. You could probably use it for the Indy Pro 2000 car if you needed, needed it that bad. So the video that we have on the script about the Fana Labs, uh, he said that there's a guy who works with Fanatec who dri- who creates these driving profiles, and he has one for every car in iRacing. And apparently, you can go to Fanatec's site, I believe their blog or their forum, and download all these driving profiles and use it with the new software. So it takes a while to set it up, but he said. Boy, if you take the time and set this up, it works great because you're going to have a very unique profile that's fine-tuned per car. I don't know. If I was still on Fanatec, I'd probably try it. All right, uh, Mike, we've got a grid engineering MPX. Looks like a wheel review. Yeah, after many months of R&D, grid engineering is ready to reveal the MPX with a pre-order special three-digit price point and utilizing the highest quality components available. And pre-order is opening soon. We got an Instagram post from them about it. <laughs> Are they saying a three-digit price tag just to make it sound like it's something that's not expensive? Yeah, sub one thousand dollars. <laughs> It'll be like nine ninety-nine, but it's three ninety-nine. Seems like a lot for a wheel without an LED screen. You know, you yeah, can find them like candy now. The Gomez wheels without the screens are about eight seventy-five. So this one might be in that range. That would be a competitor to, to that, yeah. I don't know. I mean, grid engineering has some good stuff. And, um, you know, I actually bought my rig from grid engineering before they combined with SimLabs. So nice, simple design. Is part of SimLabs now? That's right. Grid Labs was, I think, purchased by SimLabs. And so some of these products you'll see branded grid engineering by SimLabs or something like that. You can see that it does have at least two sets of pedals, so you, you'll be able to do the, the bite point launch. Uh, all of the buttons look in easy reach of the thumb. It looks like it's got the joystick hat switches actually kind of right up in the corners. That's that's pretty neat. That's a little bit different. And then it's got five different toggles. And, yeah, if you're messing with sports cars, you almost, you almost need that many rotaries. Now, Grid Engineering is best known for their product, the Porsche 911 wheel with the Porsche branding, it's $2,200. Uh, and that one does have a display. Four digits. 
So for this one to be, you know, under a thousand and not have the display or the Porsche branding, but probably have a similar design, yeah, it's probably a, a good deal. So you're showing that Porsche screen on your uh, on your part of the podcast here, Mike. That that is a really nice rim. Yeah, for the twenty two hundred. Yeah. Now, what for people who use VR, the the non display option is really the best option. I think I would never have a need to have. A display on my rims well and i think david i'm not vr and i don't think i need a display on my rim either i can't imagine my, myself looking at it while i'm trying to drive and try to get actual information off of it uh, there's just too much going on i mean and especially as you're turning the wheel left and right the display is turning to the left and right as well so i i you know that's kind of why i didn't go with one with a display not if you have the bentley one that one doesn't move <laughs> that's why i wanted that one for so long too that wheel looks so ridiculous well since you brought it up let's jump on the script and cover that one uh brian um so uh skipping down to the fanatec qr2 article gamer muscle reviewed the fanatec with and it also features the new quick release yeah i was more i mean uh you know we've known a little bit about the bentley wheel for a little while uh, we got to see him use it apparently they've made some um updates on it on on the bentley wheel to where uh where that uh this center center led screen is working much better it used to, uh and and from what i saw when he was driving it did work pretty good you know that you know, so if if you don't don't know what I'm talking about, this the LED screen on the Bentley wheel is dead center of the wheel. It's circular, and as you turn the wheel, the um the screen stays level. So so the screen is changing as you're turning the wheel to to keep it readable from uh from your perspective as a as a driver. That's um, so true. And it was working pretty good. It was working pretty good on the, his video. So really neat. Uh, but he also went over the new quick release system that uh the QR2 for uh fan attack and uh and showed showed how that worked it's he, he seemed pretty impressed with it um didn't didn't show a lot of uh of uh play so um looks like it was a is an improvement over what they have now um less chance of it getting hung up like mike was always having problems with pulling it, pulling it off of the his uh wheelbase um but you know, I'm just I'm, I'm just curious how it's going to work, and you know how they're going to retrofit that new quick release system into people who already have uh, an existing an existing wheel. Is it just going to be not a, a non-issue? You can't can't use it or what? At one they have point, the same I, bolt pattern on their wheels, don't they, Mike? On the back? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, well, at one point, there was an interview with Thomas, the CEO, and he had said about the quick release that you know hey can it can it be done can it be retrofitted all these things the answer is yes can we make it affordable and he's like uh we're working on that and that's really the hang up i think on releasing this quick release to the public is they haven't figured out a way to make it affordable so do you have to switch out part of your base to make this quick release work yeah the shaft is so. completely different yeah yeah it's got so you can lever. see that at the 119 mark of the video, you can see him putting the quick release on the shaft of that DD1, and you can see the shaft is totally different design. Doesn't have the rubber on it. Because like both of my rims have have their quick release built on to the rim as well. Hashtag soon, right? We shall see. I guess it's one of those things I won't upgrade until I absolutely have to. 
All right, then we'll jump back up, and we have the Cube Controls TCR, Donnie. Yeah, if you like Honda, uh, this would be an awesome wheel for you, and staring at that Honda logo. But Sim Racing Unlimited gave a glimpse of the new TCR wheel by Cube Controls, made in collaboration with Honda. And honestly, it's another Cube Controls wheel that looks fantastic. Uh, I like the, the flat style of that bottom rim. It's got plenty of, of buttons on there, and um, yeah, it looks pretty good. It reminds uh, me of, I think it reminds me more of like the Red Bull F1 wheel. I like the flat bottom. Now, we saw that Cube Controls was working on a Mercedes uh, wheel, Mercedes branded, and now this is a Honda branded. And uh, I actually prefer the Honda look. Actually, it looks like you said, I like that flat bottom. Uh, the, the, all the LEDs, they appear to be white, but I bet they could be colored at whatever color because that's kind of their style. Is that a rig or a, an actual car that it's sitting in? That's an actual car. Okay, so it's one of those that can go either way. It, it can. Nice. Cube Controls is known for um, running their wheels in real race cars. They actually posted on their socials quite a bit, um, showing pictures of the wheel in real cars and whatnot. Yeah, for the price of some of these uh, Formula wheels, you would hope they would actually work. They're probably more expensive than the ones you put in the real car. All right, next up, we have SimiCube meets Team Redline. Steve. Yeah, SimiCube has announced uh, they have a new base out. Um, team Redline and SimiCube will bring out their new SimiCube 2 Team Redline Limited Edition. And um, it looks like it's just the uh, graphics on it, the aesthetics of the of the wheel. Um, did you see they didn't they weren't change any hardware on this, were they, Mike? Oh, it's the same wheel that uh, Donnie and I have, um, but it has, like you said, pretty red graphics on it. I'm curious how this sells, because you'd have to be a fan of Team Redline, I'm assuming, to want to buy this. Um, I'm just curious. If this was an option when I was buying, I don't think I would buy it. I mean, I like this the plain black. Uh, you know, Is it more the, money? The, it, I think it actually does cost a little more money. The other caveat is you have to buy it from SimiCube, uh, you know, directly from Europe. You know, I ended up buying mine from Micro Center, so I obviously wouldn't be able to get this. Yeah, and this could be something for uh, maybe Team Redline and their team members to, I don't know. I wonder how much a price difference there is between this and the Pro Normal. You know, how much, how much are you paying for that uh, Team Redline logo, basically? Well, in America, See, if you have to buy, buy it from Europe, you're automatically at least paying more shipping. And, and it's kind of weird, like to have it sim company based. I could see like a Mercedes or or a Porsche or like a branded one that way. Team. It's a team, right? I'm on their website now to see if I can get a price. Uh, one thousand four hundred ninety-eight instead of one thousand four hundred thirty-eight. So it's fifty dollars more. $60 more for a sticker. My wife can make on our cricket. It's basically a sticker. I, I mean, it looks like it's better than a sticker. It might be like a, a print or something, but yeah, I don't know if it's worth 60 bucks. It says the design is screen printed. It is not a sticker. So it's but, there forever. All right. Next we have Garner muscle or gamer muscles opinion on what he thought was the best rig at the sim racing expo. Um, this one was an O Rouge rig. It was kind of a powder blue. And a couple of things that were notable about it was... Tiffany blue. 
Tiffany blue. Okay. Um, it's actually a little bit wider. It's a motion rig and it's widened out a little. And then the seat is offset to sit more to the left, supposedly to make it feel more like you're actually in the car so that the, your right wheels are further away from you effectively. You also it's an LMP rig, right? Yeah, it is laying back as an LMP, but it does have, it does have the seat off center. He also ran it with the, with a Varho, VR. He was really impressed with that. And he, he mentioned he liked that none of the motion was overstated, but it was still effective. Is there a reason there's two emergency buttons on it? Is it just one for the rig, one for the direct drive? Yeah. Yeah. One Probably. for motion. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Now, what I like about this is the seat is offset on the rig. I don't think we've ever really seen this before where, you know, hey, it's like a two person race car there are, you know there's two seats and the driver sits on the left side okay so we're gonna we're gonna make a motion rig where the driver's on the left side of the motion so they make a cockpit footprint that's as big enough for both seats and then they put the driver's seat on the left side and and so i think it's brilliant i i i've yeah. never thought of this uh it's amazing i like the dash that they have the dash included with it yeah, it's also especially brilliant now since you don't have to worry about running any cars. Right, it's not centered, right? Does this rig have a crotch bar? Looks like it has a crotch bar. Mm, it might, yeah, down low in the legs, around the knees. So you got a bar between your legs. That can make it really hard to left foot drive. Yeah. How do you get in it? Or the heel toe, even. She had to crawl into that thing. It wasn't easy. It is a dash. It was one of the few uh, motion rigs and VR that he ever got into at a at a expo like this that was actually set up correctly. The dash that um, Greg mentioned is something else. I don't think I've seen anything like that either. The wheelbase is integrated into the dash, and it's like a long dash. Uh, there's buttons in, incorporated on the front and whatnot. Um, and you know, it goes from one upright to the other. That's another unique design that I don't think we've ever seen on a on a rig like this. See, I see potential with that dash too, Mike. Like, so you can buy the rig, and what if they come up with peripherals that could like be inserted into the dash, like have as upgrades? So, like, you know, you could have a um, a heads up display above it or something and they you have your there they make their own button box that fits in type thing like make the dash customizable with stuff that you buy down the road from their company it like kind of opens up more of a thing from their company he couldn't understand why there was a toilet seat on top of it though yeah i, I don't know what the purpose of that is either but that's what it looks like a toilet seat rim maybe is it maybe stability is that a place to set the VR down when you're not using it to hold it in place so it doesn't fall off the rig? Is this only offered in a motion too? Like maybe you could, if it's not a non-motion one, could it sit monitor? But why wouldn't it be flat? Yeah, I don't get that. But the offset rig seating is so cool. I, now I'm thinking, okay, new build. I'm going to do an 80-20 <laughs> build and I'm going to off, I'm going to make it really wide and we're just going to put the driver on one side. You could just you could take your current rig and actually just order a few wide, extra, extra wide yeah. pieces, yeah. And if you if you just get VR, you can pretend that you're on the other side of your rig. 
Yeah, tnuts.com. I just ordered a bunch of extrusion, not a bunch, but some extrusion for my monitor or my computer mount. So tnuts.com. That's enough hardware for the day. Let's start talking some results. Uh, Mike, did you adventure into winter NIS this week? We did. Uh, let's talk Saturday fixed. I was off. I ran a rare Saturday fixed race. It was top split. I was car 19 out of 20. Ran about 15th most of the race. Pretty much stayed out of trouble and got a P11 at Charlotte. Moving on to Wednesday fixed, which was Homestead. I was car 11, top split again. A lot of heavy hitters in there like Matt Busa, Tyler Hudson, David L. Brown, and Blake McCandless. I ran about 10th to 15th most of the race, uh, finished P13, but probably right where I deserved. Moving on to Wednesday Open, I ran car 23 out of 25 in top split once again. Qualified 12th, ended up P16. Not my favorite track. I can't save tires worth beans, so I'm probably one and done. Let's move on to other official racing. I ran the Rookie Street Stock at Charlotte. Now, I, I, I warned you last week I was going to try this because I wanted to find out what what's happening. Is there a way to farm? Are people farming? Are there, there high I ratings in here? And so that's what I did. There were 97 registered. I was car number eight out of 14. Um, car number one had a 4,600 I rating. Uh, I ended up qualifying eighth. It was a fairly clean race. Uh, we ran in a pack the whole time. It was clean till about three to go and they finally wrecked. I finished P5, gained 42 I rating. Will I do it again? Eh, probably not. Rookie d Dirt Street Stock at USA. I wrecked near the end, but it was fun. Next up was a new Toyota GR86 and other production cars at the Nord. Uh, Nordschleife, 31 cars total, uh, started 10th and finished 4th. I was having a lot of fun in that car, so I kept running it. I got a 7th on the next one. And then the third race, yeah, I was in a big one on turn 1. I had to tow 8 minutes uh, tow. And I was telling Steve, I mean, oh my God, eight minutes to tow. I mean, do we really have to make people wait eight minutes? But I guess it is a, a pretty long track. This is a simulator. <laughs> uh, I actually, after the tow, eight minute towed, I got back out and got up to 12th out of the 27. That shows you how many people didn't finish. Uh, the next uh, start, I got uh, started 10th. I got up to fifth by lap one, but in the final lap, I wrecked by myself and fell back to 11. Next, I moved to Open Wheel, the Indy Pro 2000 at Road America. Started seventh out of 12, got to P5 by the end of lap one, but I spun near the end of lap one by myself, hitting those final rumble strips. I actually get like kind of high centered on them and then it spins me off to the right. So uh, you gotta stay off those rumble strips at Road America for sure. Um, the next, uh, event i qualified six out of 16 this was today i got to uh, p4 by lap one and was able to keep it and get my first good finish of the series if you recall last week i wrecked out every single time and finished like dead last so finally i got a, a good finish moved over to the f2000 the slower car at road america number two in bottom split out of 13 
qualified third sitting on the grid. The guy in front of me literally just puts it in reverse and backs into me, destroyed my front uh, wing uh, before the race has, before we even pulled off the grid. Um, it wasn't too bad though. Uh, and I survived for a P3 somehow. Uh, next race, I was car number two in the bottom split, qualified fifth and finished fifth. Had a great battle throughout the race uh, with third and fourth place, but couldn't beat him. Steve, you're up next. A open. Uh, yeah, I, I ran uh, quite a few races this last week um, in uh, at Kentucky, and I had a pretty good week. I was uh, P7, 5, 13, 6th, and 16th. I picked up, I think, 183 points for the week toward my I rating. And then um, this week so far, I've been uh, P3 and P2 and P27 this afternoon at Indy. I got wrecked, but finished the race. So it's uh, been pretty good. I, after last night's race, P3, I was up to like 50 or 20, 25, 70 or something, but I lost 63 points, ending up 27th. It was a top split too, so it kind of killed me. But it's been a good week. And to stack them up when you have these good finishes, man, you those that numbers will add up quick. All right, David Hall, Interlagos, IMSA. Yeah, I told you I'd go ahead and start putting down every race since, since you have been instead of just the highlights. Um, yeah, so took the BMW for week one at IMSA. Um, and I had to buy Interlagos and learn it. And it it was definitely a challenge getting the track figured out. It has a lot of sweeping turns. just And, and it just takes a while to really, really learn where to find the time. Uh, first round, P14, just learning the track. And also wasn't really sure about what to do with the battery battery strategy uh then next race p14 this one was really dumb this guy just ran in the rear of me 4x on the pace lap and then on turn one somebody somebody dive bombs and drives through the whole field another 4x then uh third race p6 that's finally starting to get used to the new track and the new car Next race, I was doing pretty well, but I came in P13 because I put myself on the grass and had to work my way back up all the way from the back of the field. Then uh, a little bit later, P7 clean, P5 clean, and P9 clean. Then the week rolled over and I decided that week I was going to run Spa. And because I don't want to only run just the BMW, I'm running, I've gone back to running GTEs in the Euro Sprint Series. And uh, I made up a paint for the Ferrari, brought it back out of mothballs, and P1 in the Ferrari. First race back in the car in a long time with the brand new paint and right to victory. And it's interesting now, tire wear is a factor because I had a guy that was on my tail for 40 minutes of the race, and then the last 20 minutes he just faded in hard. And then I followed that up with a P4, starting to really enjoy their GTE reunion. Then a P wrecked by a dive bomber, then a P2 and a P3 and a P2. Good results in the Ferrari. So how's the balance of power on that car, you think? Um, I don't know. Um, one thing is their, their splits are nice and big, so I'm not having to race somebody with 3000 I rating, right? Uh, but uh, I think it's just a good car that I'm comfortable in. So I know some people will try to, will like to switch cars and figure out which one's best for each track. But I just, I'm, I can recover the Ferrari when it gets out of shape. And I just, I just know how to drive it on its edge. All right, Donnie, how about Road America? 
Yeah, so Saturday, my wife ditched me, left town. So that was uh, my day to just run races. So I ran four races, three in the USF car and one in the Indy Pro car. Took a complete bloodbath. I think I lost around three or 400 I rating, got super discouraged. Um, just a bunch of tomfoolery out there that you couldn't avoid. Kind of like your guy backing up to over your wing, but um, the very next day, I decided to hop into it and I was like, it can't be that bad. And I ended up getting a P5 and a P2 in the uh, the Indy Pro car and then a P6 in the USF car. Uh, try to dig out of that ridiculous hole I fell into. But um, standings wise on the Indy Pro, I'm not doing too bad. I think I still might be top sheet, um, not top of the sheet, but in the top 25. Um, you won't know that by using the UI. You have to go to the website to figure that out. But um, yeah, no, it's fun. I like the Indy Pro car. So maybe I'm not too disappointed right at this moment for the Indy car. How are we going to know how we're running in our division after the website goes away? We'll, we'll, we'll be fine because we'll always know where we stand on IndyCar. All right, hosted. I ran a bunch of hosted. Let me bounce through these. Chris McGuire uh, posted up the 87, the Talladega. I started in the back and won the race. That was a great way to start the week. Then we ran Gen 5 at Talladega, got wrecked out there. Uh, Gen 5 at Talladega, started in the back, got to the lead before halfway. I go on to win it. And that's, so that was my second win in the, in the hosted series uh, that night. Uh, then Gen 5 car at the old and the old Indy car on the same track at Talladega. I was leading my class with six to go and got wrecked uh, in an Indy car crash. They were a little faster, um, so it didn't quite work out. Then the new Toyota 86 at Lanier Dirt. That was an interesting combination, but it worked. Uh, then the 87 cars at the new Rudd's Coggin. I was wrecked out of that. Uh, then we moved over to the Riley Daytona prototype at Old Michigan. Started in the back, got to the front, but wrecked out near the end. Then the DP at New Texas started mid-pack, ended up finishing P5. Then we did the DP at Talladega, got wrecked out. Then we switched back to 87s at Talladega, started 25th, wrecked out. Gen 5 at Talladega started 37th out of 40, wrecked out. And then back to the Daytona prototype at Michigan. I was leading on the white and I got wrecked. Winter League, Steve, P17. Yeah, I was, uh, I don't remember where I qualified, but uh, we were having a good race. There, I don't think we had any cautions until late in the race. And uh, I think I was up to like P10 and and uh my friend david here was running me down so i think he was going to pass me but mike he was complaining about he needed a caution he needed a caution well guess what a caution came out <laughs> Not when and, I needed it. and then we had a whole bunch of cautions and uh so anyways um i kind of drove like a wussy i ended up p17 and uh mike with his 34 percent tires was p10 First, David, you were P22. Yeah, I had a top 10 car. I uh, was doing pretty good on the long run speed, uh, especially if it had gone caution free. I think I would have been in pretty good shape, except for the two or three guys that had stretched their fuel. But um, then the accidents just started happening and I couldn't I couldn't avoid it this time. Uh, I think you saw I think you had the first hand view of that, Steve. A couple of guys to the left got got into each other and the guy's just trying to gather it up and um, doesn't gather it up and comes right up and sandwiches me into the wall. 
I stayed on the lead lap, but it was it 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 the car was no good after that. Yeah, I saw that happen. He, I was I think I was in front of you when he when he shot up from the bottom. It was bad. And I got the best result out of the team P10. We were going on a two-stop race. I headed in for the second time as the caution came out while I was on pit road. Uh, came out 16th. And I ended up having to take a wave around at 23 to go. It was a shootout. There was another caution. It was 17 to go. I, I took my last set uh, and ended up finishing P10. I survived all the wrecks and stuff and was able to squeak through there. That was fun. Uh, Brian, OBRL Cup. Yeah, so we were at, at Michigan this week at uh, the OBRL Sunday night. Um, Fied P11. Um, first run, I uh, kind of lost a few spots. I really wore my tires off too bad. Didn't do a good job saving tires. We didn't have any cautions. So, um, you know, so by the end of the run, I was really kind of fading. And then uh, we went to the first green the green flag uh, pit stops, and I, I rode right past my pit stall, um, backed it up, got back in. So I lost a bunch of, you know, a bunch of spots there. And, uh, I did better saving tires after that. I, I kind of figured out what I was doing wrong, but um, but the, but there were no yellow flags the, the entire race. So once I lost all the spots, um, I kind of just couldn't recover. There's no way to recover it. So I actually wound up finishing 20. Uh, big field though, uh, 40, 41 cars I think was in it. So a nice, nice turnout. All right, very good. Let's jump to final thoughts then. Brian McCubbin. Uh, see, not a whole lot going on, although uh, I was a little late to the show. I apologize for that, but it was for a good reason. I'm finally getting heat in my basement. So I, I, I don't know if you if you guys have been listening for a while. My basement freezes in the, in the winter. It gets so freaking cold to drive down there. I thought it was just your camera. It was cold. Not just my camera. But uh, so, yeah, I'm finally – I finally kept putting some – this This is actually – I consider this my iRacing rig uh, upgrade. It's just getting heat in the basement so I don't freeze when I'm racing down there in the, summer, in the winter. So, uh, so yeah, so that's that's uh, that's what I've been working on now. It will be a nice upgrade. David Hall, final thoughts. I forgot to mention it in the results, but I've been caught up in the, in the league accidents f- for all four weeks, I think. Um, it's a it's a very clean r- running race where the cautions that happen are legit hard racing accidents, and I just am in the wrong place every time. So, uh, other than that, uh, not a whole lot going on. On vacation for a while, so going to be running a lot of sports cars here the next few weeks. All right, very good, Donnie Spiker. Final thoughts? Uh, yes, I bummed out from. Uh... That decision we got to hear yesterday about the IndyCar, but uh, I'm very optimistic. I'm a, I'm a half glass, half full guy, so uh, maybe it'll work itself out in the end. Um, I don't. I wasn't here last week. I don't know if I mentioned, but I did get to bolt my uh, sim coach monitor mounts on. Uh, they're fantastic. Other than that, uh, looking possibly forward to NIS tomorrow night. I don't definitely. I won't be able to do it Sunday morning. So, uh, but yeah, I'm going to try to give it a go tomorrow night. All right, very good, Greg Hectus. Final thoughts. Um, I missed uh, Monday night's uh, league race because uh, I'm nursing a, a bad hip and lower back right now, and I couldn't sit in my rig for a long period of time. And it doesn't help when I drive a truck all day. I don't really want to get into my rig and sit down after driving all day. Uh, but I'm hoping that uh, 
I could do a bunch more racing. I'm on holidays. Like David said, he's on holidays. I'm on holidays till January 9th. So I'll be around the sim a lot and doing th things here and there. So I'm looking forward to the league race Monday night. Um, David and I think we're going to run a, uh, endurance race later. Um, ESS sprint sprint, um, which will be fun. Uh, and yeah, just, uh, looking forward to getting some racing done over the holidays and, enjoying some time off i worked uh i worked pretty hard this year and i don't it was one of the longest years i just want to take a couple weeks off here all right very good steve thompson final thoughts yeah i just want to wish everybody a merry christmas and thanks for coming and watching uh listening to iRacers lounge podcast we really appreciate everybody listening to it it helps us uh keep this thing going and uh i want to thank you guys for allowing me to come on here and podcast with you guys and also uh, race with you it's uh it's been a lot of fun so merry christmas to y'all and happy new year's absolutely thanks for uh joining uh my final thoughts uh been racing a lot i i have time off work and i don't have any money because i bought a bunch of sim equipment <laughs> so i'm not doing anything but racing i'm just uh you know, walking the dog and doing stuff around the house and racing a lot. And so a little dismayed about the Indy, five, Indy 500 and the Indy decisions uh, as I was coming up the open wheel ranks to eventually run the Indy car. I was kind of building up to run that Indy car and be ready for it for the Indy 500 in May. I was, that's what I, my goal has been for a long time, ever since I bought the formula wheel. And now you know, all that's in limbo, so to speak. And, and so am I still going to run the open wheels series? Yeah, I, I'm going to still run it. I'm going to still work my way up. Uh, but I don't know what I'm going to do when I get, you know, to the next step, when it go to the Indy car, am I going to skip it and go to F1? I don't know. So we'll see what, uh, what comes about and we'll play it by ear. As far as my butt kicker goes, I'm loving it. It's attached to the bottom of the seat. Um, it overheated once this week and I had to turn down the knob, uh, you know, a notch or so on the volume so it doesn't do that. But other than that, I've had no problems at all. Just trying to find the right balance of the two butt kickers. I still have the old one and the new one and trying to feel them together. What am I sending to both? I'm super happy that I decided to put them separately in two pieces of separate software so I can control them separately rather than in SimHub. So um, that's working out real well and, uh, and uh, enjoying it. So, hey, with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.